Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Financia, host of the podcast and the host of the Source Financia YouTube channel. Happy holidays. Uh, when this episode airs, this should be New Year's, like the day after New Year's, or we might have released it on New Year's. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, happy happy holidays, happy New Year. I uh, hope you guys are going to have a productive year. Uh, I mean, last year was one of the best years that we've had from a financial standpoint, from a life standpoint, uh, well, financial standpoint, obviously from the business side of things, um, from a growth standpoint as well. Um, and then for me personally, also just like a really good year. I, tra- I traveled way more than I expected to travel, way more than I have in the last four or five years of my life. Like I think I went to five, six different countries. Uh, I spent a grand total of four months in the Philippines. Uh, I spent five months outside of China, <laughs> which is like, I mean, the, the year before, I think the most amount of time I'd spent outside of China was maybe two weeks, three weeks at the most. Um, yeah, so to go from like three weeks outside of China, three weeks at a time, obviously, I, you know, if you totaled the entire amount of time that I spent outside of China the last, well, in 2018, probably was like a month or something like that. Um, Maybe a little bit more, like a month, month, month and a couple of weeks. But yeah, five months, and and some of that was concurrent. Like I, I spent three months concurrently outside of the country, and it was an interesting thing to like. I got so disconnected from Chinese life in some sense, besides the business side of things. And I'm just kind of like that. Whenever I travel somewhere, I kind of immerse myself into my life there. Um, so when I was in the Philippines, like I immersed myself into the Philippines, like I was living there and I was hanging out with my friends and my, you know, my, my social circles growing and all that stuff. But yeah, it was, it was a good year, man. I'm going to do a more like our typical 2018, 2019 goals. So the next one will be 2019, 2020 goals in February, because that's when we always do ours um, because of the Chinese New Year and stuff like that. We always kind of start the business year officially around that time. But uh, that being said, yeah, it's been a good year. Um, just want to keep growing with the podcast and the YouTube channel. We're trying to get almost at a thousand subscribers with the YouTube channel. So by February, which was one of my goals from last year, was to get to a thousand subscribers, and it looks like we're on track to do that. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, that being said, uh, I would love to know if you guys want to reach out to me and stuff like that. I would love to know what your goals are for the year around manufacturing. You know, whether it doesn't even have to be manufacturing in China, it could be Southeast Asia as a whole, because I'm actually in the process of trying to make more connections with factories outside of China, because um, there's definitely a demand there for my clients. So I'd, I'd love to know what you guys are planning for the year and, and reach out and, you know, let's have conversations. If you send me questions, I could maybe answer them on the podcast. Um, yeah, so this episode, speaking of answering questions on the podcast, on the podcast, this episode is a extended webinar teaser trailer. So basically, it was the way I do research on factories on Alibaba. This is one of those episodes where it's much better if you watch the video because I actually took you through the process of researching on Alibaba. Like, like I went to Alibaba and did like a live search. Um, so that that's it's definitely gonna be more helpful if you if you had a vi- if you watch the video it's up on YouTube right now, but um, and it's it's basically how Rico does research on researches factories in Alibaba. But yeah, I think it's really good. Like the full webinar was about two hours long. We did a, another one recently with more Q and A that ended up being three hours, but the actual presentation of the webinar I would say is about an hour is about an hour. 
plans for that is like we're probably going to do one more webinar similar to this one. And then uh, I, th I think we're going to pretty much retire this webinar and then create like a course out of it. Um, so people, you know, it'll be accessible, you know, year round. Whereas right now it's like we, we present the webinar and then we take it down and then we present it again and then we take it down. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of what the plan is. And then I'm going to do, I'm going to start to create another section, another version of the, of, of the webinar, which is going to be more, um, you know, how to actually manage a production beyond like in your first order. So like after, because this webinar is basically how you find the factories and how you vet them and how you take them to a stage where you're starting your order. And then I gave a few tips on how to, how to actually manage your production. But what I want to do next is the actual project management how we you know handle that and how we communicate with the factories and um you know how we stay on top of things how we schedule quality control like all that stuff so um there's definitely i noticed a demand for that with our recent uh recent webinars people asking more about the project management aspect of things that being said um enjoy this webinar uh, again happy new year guys and i uh, hope to hear from some of you guys with the questions about you know with your goals for this year and uh your questions about manufacturing. Cheers. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. This is an obvious place to start. I think the first thing you have to think about when it comes to searching is what is the best method? Where am I going to be searching, right? So if you're not in China, obviously the best resources is the online approach, Alibaba, Global Sources, 1688.com. 1688 is essentially like Alibaba, but it's more for local suppliers. Um, so the you'll get cheaper factories on 1688 but they might not be as familiar with the export process and they probably won't have English speaking staff because they're used to selling to the Chinese market. So um, you can definitely take advantage of that, but just keep in mind that you do have to be able to communicate. You're going to have to educate the factory a little bit more and need to speak in their language. Some of the best methods to find factories are word of mouth. So if you know other people, if you have friends or business, business partners who have worked with other factories that can give you recommendations, that's obviously going to be a, a great resource to, to working with a supplier. It's similar to any sort of business, right? Like if you know your friend has used this service and they, they thought it was fantastic, it's probably better for you to use that service than um, try to find a completely new one yourself. There's obviously trade shows like the Canton Fair, um, and the Global Sources Summit. So those are, those are awesome resource, resources to find factories. Today, I'm going to be focusing on the online approach and specifically Alibaba, um, because I'm sure the vast majority of you guys on this webinar look for factories in Alibaba. So rather than me talking about it, I, I'm going to physically show you how I approach sourcing uh, suppliers off of Alibaba. So um, as you can see here, we're on the Alibaba homepage, right? Um, and the first thing that I would do is I would just type in the name of the product. So I'm sure a lot of you guys 
who are familiar with Amazon FBA or have consumed any sort of Amazon FBA content know what this product is and you know why I'm using it as an example. It's one of the most generic products that you could use. So what I do is I will type in the name of the product, right? And if I know the material, I would uh, type in the name of the material as a descriptive word. So let's say you're looking for a bamboo garlic press um, or a stainless steel garlic press. That's what I would type in in the search. You don't want to be too specific in, with, with keywords in the search here because a lot of factories might not know which keywords um, you know, clients are looking for. So you end up like losing out on good factory options if you were very specific in your keyword search here. So garlic press, and then after that, you would come to the first batch of results. So Alibaba has basically remained the same over the years. They used to have way more uh, ways to filter suppliers. Like there was little badges and stuff that suppliers had, but I think they realized that people were beginning to catch on that those badges didn't mean anything. So the, the, what, the, the, what they've done is they've narrowed down the filters to just basically location and then there's a, a couple supplier types and then maybe MOQs and things like that. So with us, we're based in Guangzhou, China. Our office is in Guangzhou, which is in Guangdong province. So I would usually go to and select China, right? And then I'd select Guangdong which means now I'm looking at factories that are relatively close to my office. It's easier for us to deal with, uh, with it's easier for us to deal with factories that are relatively close to our China office. The next thing is supplier types, right? And uh, Balio, I think you had asked in your questions before, uh, is there a method of paying suppliers in China where you could be protected and, and ask for your money back? And that's exactly what Alibaba Trade Assurance is. Personally, because we are in China and we deal with factories all the time, we don't necessarily always look for factories with trade assurance, but I can 100% understand why somebody outside of China would want to use this. So it's kind of like an insurance policy. You select trade assurance, and when you place an order with the factory, you have to submit your contract uh, or whatever contractual documents that you have with the factory to Alibaba, and then you also have to pay through the Alibaba platform. And... That way, if something goes wrong, you can file a complaint with Alibaba and uh, they'll look into the complaint and then they'll look into maybe giving you a refund or, or compensating you or trying to work it out with the factory. And typically, they will allow you to get a refund. I think it's about up to uh, $50,000 is the last time I checked. Now, the only issue with trade assurance is a lot of factories don't want to use this because one, they don't receive the money up front. Um, and then two, there's a lot of fees involved. Alibaba takes a fee for processing the payment. Um, there's an escrow fee. And then there's another fee for transferring the money from Alibaba to uh, the supplier's bank account. So a lot of suppliers are not particularly fond of trade assurance. The other thing is verified supplier. Verified supplier just looks nice. I think in my opinion, I don't really take that much stock in this. If you want to use verified supplier, that's, that's fine. Um, but I mean, a lot of factories, can, it's, they just pay Alibaba to become a verified supplier. It doesn't really mean anything. So once I've filtered out my options a little bit, I'm going to now start scrolling down the page and I'm looking for factories that have the design of the product that I want. Right? So I would just start scrolling down and let's say I'm looking for this more circular style, right? I would just start opening up, I would just start opening up websites, right? Just opening up links, anything that looks similar to what I like. And 
at this stage, uh, I'm only looking for design. I'm not really looking at all the other aspects. The next thing I do, once I've got about five to 10 tabs open, I'm gonna start looking at their home pages. So if you click a factory like this, you'll see the home page. They have the, the main product, they have the per unit cost. I then scroll down to learn more about their business. So similar to any business, if you go to their homepage, you want to see, do they have a clear description? Uh, do, they have a, do they have a clear description of their products, of their business, of their factory, um, of maybe even clients that they work with? Do they have good product photos? So this, this factory uh, seems to have a good description of what they do, their story, partners, their certificates. They've obviously worked with a couple big brands here. So that's really good. This factory, as you can see, very basic information. They really just have the product description and a few product pictures. But beyond that, there isn't much information about them. So for me, this is the kind of listing that I wouldn't pay attention to. I like to pay attention to the, the factories that have, have, um, have really tried to describe who they are. Um, and then, of course, they're really just trying to target Amazon sellers, so they even put Amazon into their keywords. So going back to this factory that I really like, the next step that I take is I'll go to company profile and I'll check business type. So it says manufacturer and trading company. And you can actually get quite a lot of key information just off of this initial step but I will then go to view this supplier's website. So now when I get to this view, the supplier's website, what am I, how am I assessing the factory from here? I'm looking at whether they are making similar products to the product that I want. And, and are they making products with the same material type? So if you find a factory on Alibaba and they're making stainless steel garlic presses, but they also sell Ray-Bans and they sell watches and they sell shoes and bags. It's probably not a factory. That's a very good sign of it being a trading company because the trading company is able to list a wide variety of products. It's very difficult for a factory to have all the expertise and machinery in one place to make all these different products. So like if you see them with a wide, a very wide range of products with no sort of cohesion, then it's probably a trading company. So if you're looking at this, I can see that their focus is mostly kitchenware and a lot of uh, stainless steel products as well. So this is a good sign. Another, another good sign here is that if I wanted to expand my product line in the future, let's say I'm starting off with garlic presses and I wanna source um, stainless steel, what's that, a, a stainless steel pizza cutter. They, they make that. So this is a factory that you could potentially grow with and expand your product line with. So that's a, that's a good sign. The next thing I would do here is I would go to their company profile, uh, get a, a good idea of who they are, just double checking uh, manufacturing trading company. That's good. And then I want to start getting their contact information and starting to make uh, a, a short list. So if you're not logged into Alibaba, a lot of times they won't show you the details. Alibaba wants you to log in and hop on a chat. Um, but if you log in, you, you should be able to get their details. Or you can go maybe off to another website that will give you their contact information. So once I start collecting their information, I going back to the presentation, I like to create what we call an initial factory list. 
So the initial factory list just has the basic information, the name, location, factory, trading company, how many employees. This is all information that you can get off of the Alibaba listing. A lot of times the information on the listing is not necessarily accurate. So you want to double check as you're assessing the factory, you want to be verifying this information. But I aim, what we do when we're creating our reports, our sourcing reports with our clients, is we make an initial factory list of about 20 to 50 factories. This is an internal list that we create. And then from there, we're adding information, adding comments and narrowing down as we, as we go through it. So once you have your initial factory list and you have a short list of 20 to 50 suppliers, you want to send out that first email. So what does a first email look like? What is that supposed to look like? This looks like a very normal email, right? Like if you sent this to anybody in, in an English speaking country, it seems completely fine, right? It seems very structured. However, you are, when you're talking to Chinese manufacturers, you're talking to people that sometimes um, English might be their fourth or fifth language. So for you to create a block of text with very important information and questions, it's just going to confuse them. They're not necessarily going to know what the most important information is in here and what the most important questions are. So this is an example, in my opinion, of a bad email when you're contacting a factory for the first time. This is a good email. So the difference here, as you can see, is that the sentences are shorter, right? There's more space. The sentences are, are more clear. It's not a blocked text. And then you have the product. So product one is this, the features are this, and it's boom, 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 and then a picture. Product two is this, features, boom, 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 and then a picture. And then instead of having all those questions in huge paragraphs, what I would do is I would put the questions in a bullet pointed list or a numbered list. Like you can see here, it's very easy. Even if you don't speak English, even if you don't read English, it's very easy to at least know what the specific questions are here. And if, if somebody replies only to these you're still going to be getting more valuable information, right? So the, the factory person can then copy and paste each one of these and have it translated or take it to, you know, somebody else who has maybe more technical ex expertise to get these questions answered. So this is the end of the search portion of the presentation. I just want to double. Hey guys, thanks for sticking around. And yeah, it's time for the Q and A. Um, so if you guys have I know you guys submitted a lot of questions beforehand, but if you have any immediate questions, you can uh, put them in the group here in the chat. So uh, I think somebody had uh, submitted, I think it was Brandon Olin had submitted, uh, you know, crossing the language barrier and, uh, you know, communicating design specs. So with design specs, generally, again, if you, if you identify what kind of product you're making, if it's a product that involves textiles, then you want to have a tech pack. And that's basically a, a pack that explains, you know, I, like I said before, it explains what the materials of each of the product, each part of the product is. So if you're making a bag, you know, there's, there's the type of zipper that the bag is going to have. It's the, the pockets that are inside the bag. So this is just like a, a, a PDF or a sort of clear document that uh, shows each of the individual specs and the sizes and things like that. If it's a product that requires injection molding, um, like a water bottle, things like that. you want to have a CAD file, which is sort of 3D renderings and um, which also has the specs. So as long as you have your technical documents, then most factories should understand what you're trying to achieve. Um, language barrier, of course, a lot of factories have English speaking stuff. 
Um, if you are communicating with factories off of 1688, which is sort of the Chinese local Alibaba, uh, that's more for local buyers. You definitely need to have somebody translate the information and, and, and translate the back and forth. Mm -hmm. Jai Josh actually has dropped a question. He says, in one of your YouTube videos, you mentioned that the top manufacturing companies usually don't give so much attention to customers that require similar product quantities. So for these three to five companies you identify for your product, my question is, how do I know the best one to go with considering the balance of quality and attention that the supplier will provide me? That's a fantastic question, Jai. Um, so that's part of the sourcing report process, right? Like if we're communicating to factories, we're telling them what your requirements are very early on in the manufacturing uh, research process. So we, we typically don't actually bother with factories that aren't interested. And you can tell very early, especially because my team are all Chinese, we can tell from talking to somebody on the phone whether they are serious about the order, whether they're just trying to, you know, get another order into their factory. And, uh, you know, a lot of the big factories will tell you up front that this is not an interesting order for them. Um, so that, that three to five factories that we recommend at the end will generally be, depending on your size of your order, will generally be probably small to medium sized factories if you're starting with a small to medium sized order. That's, we try to match the factories to, to our People client. That attend the webinar.